This is Radio to Inspire Enlightened Living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Angel Rose and Ahanu. everyone on this beautiful Saturday morning once again in San Diego and uh, I'm telling you I'm getting quite used to this weather here at first I thought well I don't know how it's going to be to wake up every morning and know that the sun's going to shine and uh, evenings are so beautiful and cool and so I'm really getting used to it and I can still see the hummingbirds outside the window uh, feeding off our beautiful purple tree out here while Ahano's scurrying around and getting the last of the logistics going. We have had a very, very, very interesting week. And Ahano and I have been beefing up our own wellness. We've been actually doing transformational breath work every single day, which is absolutely phenomenal. We got Judith Kravitz's CD called A Hundred Breaths to Joy. And that is absolutely fantastic. So we're loving that. We've also started a little bit of light yoga, which I find really, really wonderful. And we do one other thing, Ahano, I can't seem to remember. Can you remember? Oh, well, yeah, the juice drink. We got ourselves a masticating juicer, a Omega 8600 uh, masticating juicer. And we make ourselves the most delicious green juices once a day. And I'm telling you, it is absolutely phenomenal. So I'm rattling on here, Ahano. Have you got yourself all sorted so that you can say good morning? I can. And again, it's a pleasure to be here. But I'm laughing at your comment about the sun shining every day. And I'm actually sitting here with a pullover on because I'm cold. Here in sunny California, I'm actually cold. But that's probably because I was up early this morning, about 5.30, and I actually went out in my shorts with no socks or or no um, uh, top on. And so I got cold, and I seem to have stayed cold since. But hopefully, as the day moves on, we will start warming up again. That's your ritual. Wait, I have to paint a picture for our listeners, because he's sitting here with a pair of Adidas shorts on, and a flannel long sleeve shirt <laughs> and his sweater draped over his shoulders. Yeah, I- I'm cold. I know, you're really funny. Now, the thing is though, when we do the 100 breaths to joy in the morning, and we haven't done that this morning yet because the show has taken priority on a Saturday morning, but it does rise this Kundalini, doesn't it? And I actually feel really, really hot when I'm doing those breaths. Do you feel the same? Do you? I only- I'm hot all the time. Hot stuff, baby. (laughs) Well, now, let's do a formal introduction, and we'll stay away from that subject, Angel Rose. You're making me hot right now. I feel the pressure rising. I feel the pressure rising. Today is Saturday, the 3rd of August. And you're with Angel Rose and myself, Ahanu, on the Honest to God series. And we broadcast every morning, eight a, every Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Mountain, 10 a.m. Central, and 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And, of course, 
for our friends and relations across the waters we serve at 4pm Greenwich Mean Time. And today we're going to be talking about a range of subjects, but all current and exciting. Physical immortality. Wow. Radiation from Fukushima. The authority problem. Predicting the future. And we're going to squeeze in more and more and tidbits and snippets of information and so on from our experiences as we go. So for those of you who are new to us, let us do the tiniest introduction. I myself am a Hanu from Ireland and Angel Roses from upstate New York. We're authors, artists, speakers, researchers, ministers, all that good stuff. But as a twin flame husband and wife team, we've helped lots of people all over the world grow in personal power and self-mastery through this types of program, the Honest to God series. And we also do other products and programs which you can find on our websites at angelrose.com. That's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. And our new venture, which is a free pr- program for the Akashic Records, is worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, world of empowerment. So that's enough about us, except to say that if anybody wants to contact us to arrange an interview, a book signing, speaking engagement, book a workshop, have a Spirit of Love painting or an Akashic Records reading, do contact us at 224-588-8026 or angelrose at angelrose.com. I'll give out that email address again during the course of the program. But today we want to start getting down to business. And let's start with physical immortality. Angel Rose, give us what your definition is of physical immortality. Well, let's back up and... And mention why we decided to discuss this this morning because two times in this past week uh, on Facebook people have posted uh, two different videos on two separate people who have lived a number of years without food or water and one of them is this elderly Indian man um, I don't know his name but anyway he supposedly has not He's he's I forgot how old he is now but he hasn't taken any food or water since he was 12 years old and he's well up into his 70s. It's 70 years that he has not eaten or drank anything. And uh, of course I had a video of him and he's just as lighthearted and spry as ever and is convinced that he could live in his body for an indefinite number of years. And he claims that he gets fed by a nectar that gets secreted, I think, from his brain. Uh, And he said that some uh, guru long ago actually activated this part of his brain. So I always find this fascinating because we come around to the subject periodically. And years ago when I was into rebirthing um, Sandra Ray and Leonard Orr and all of those uh, people, really believed in physical immortality, that you could live indefinitely in the human body. But really we're talking about the whole process of not eating or drinking anything. So then somebody else posted a video yesterday about this boy called uh, Little Buddha, no, Buddha Boy, that's what it was, Buddha Boy. And he was 15 years old, and he was another Indian boy who went into being a monk and came out and basically said he he just wanted to commune with God. And so he went inside this tree, this hollow of this tree, 
they sat there and they had recorded that he had not had anything to eat or drink in at least 10 months. So the whole little thing on YouTube was a video of him in his tree meditating and not eating or drinking anything and all the different controversial opinions, of course, by the scientific community and somebody in there videotaping him to make, they wanted to do it for, I guess, four and a half days to make sure that he wasn't uh, secretly eating or drinking anything. And certainly he wasn't. And then um, they reported that, witnesses reported that they saw flames shooting out of his uh, body. And then uh, next thing you know, we're at the end of the video and all of a sudden the boy has just disappeared. Uh, nobody knows where he went, if he was stolen, if he got up and walked into the forest, if he dematerialized, or what. But I find all of this fascinating, and I think I do, because I do have some old memory that this is possible. And certainly there are more and more people who are living entirely off of prana, even though I don't know that I think the elderly gentleman and this young boy are living off of prana. Uh, I think that they're living off a substance that gets secreted from within their own bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's really different, okay, because mm. it makes me think that we have it all reversed. Yeah. That somewhere we got turned inside out. Well, now, speaking of reverse, we will go into more depth about that substance that you talk about there. But let's just backtrack for a second because I have to say that I am of that typical Western mind that you don't believe these kind of things until you prove it somehow in one way or another. And this was typical of the type of coverage in that documentary that we looked at was that the camera crew were out to prove whether it was a scam or not. But they were looking at it from the scam perspective. In other words, trying to find was the young boy sneaking in, sneaking in food somehow was there food coming out of the tree in some way? You know, did he have bananas or oranges or apples or something under his under his cloak? And at night time, they even brought in night vision cameras so as to pre preclude the possibility that somebody might be sneaking in during the night and feeding him. You know, so what I'm getting at is that here's this Western mind attitude that says, you know, this is this is not true. This can't be happening. It's physically impossible. And we're going to prove that it is. But but as the days went on, we started to find that they they were indeed coming round to a new way of thinking, coming around to the possibility that it it may indeed be possible. And I found that really interesting, too, as a lesson to myself, because when you spoke about the flames coming out of the guy's chest, I remember many, many years ago, where my mother had reported seeing a, a statue of the Virgin Mary crying. Now, I understood it at the time as being the fact that she was staring for a long period of time at the statue. And what happens when you stare at something for a long period of time? It does morph and change. There's no question about that. I mean, that's just a, a fact of, uh, and again, coming from the Western point of view, it's just a fact of the way the eyes work and the way the mind works. So I dismissed that and I said, there's absolutely no way the statue could cry. It was just a physical impossibility. 
Now, since then, of course, there's been countless other people making similar types of reports. And we hear about it all the time from places like Medjugorje and various other sacred sites around the world. But what I'm getting around to saying is that it is possible that the people staring at the young boy for days on end may well have seen something come out of his chest, but it may be in their own minds. It may not have actually happened physically to the boy. And and I, I still hold on to that possibility. Now, having said that, though, the whole phenomena of being able to live without food and being able to live off light or prana is a fascination to me. It really is, I have to say. And I am of the mind that, like you, I have a memory that it is possible and that we shouldn't actually be consuming at all because this is what we're doing. When we eat, we're consuming. And everything in this world is based on consuming other life forms of one form or another. No matter what it is, we must eat. Everything must eat. And it's consuming, consuming, eating up and, and constantly seeking energy outside of itself. And I think there's a fundamental error in our makeup in, in that whole process. So this is what we're coming to when we come to talk about physical immortality. We're actually talking about that possibility that we can live off light and prana without consuming other life forms. Well, like I said, I think there's two forms of this. I think there are people who, um, we have heard about them, actually. Even in North Carolina, there's a gentleman who's reported to not have eaten anything in 12 years. Now, I don't know if he's drank anything, but the unique thing about these two Indian uh, people we're talking about is they not only did not eat food, they did not drink anything. Okay, so that's there's a bit of a difference with those guys. But, you know, the thing about it is that you and I also have begun doing these Egyptian alchemy exercises. <clears throat> and they really are designed to raise the kundalini up the spine and nourish different parts of the brain. And certainly in those processes, I mean, you, you claim that you get very warm when you're doing them. I don't feel that, but I also always have these visions. And, you know, I have seen this clear liquid be dripping from my pineal gland when I'm doing this. And this is what these Indian people uh, are saying that they live off of. It's, it's a nectar that gets secreted from inside the brain when you do particular techniques or when your consciousness is raised to a certain point. And I find that is, that's very different than people who are sun gazing, people who, you know, go out and look at the sun in, in the morning and in the evening for a brief period of time. I think it's, those techniques are designed to gradually increase the time you can look at the sun, but those people are bringing in prana directly from the sun. So, to me, there's a, a little bit of a difference there in terms of the processes that are actually going on. But, you know, certainly we have heard about people in history who uh, have this ability to do this. And there's been other people who've just tried to stop eating uh, and live off of sunlight and they die. And I think the reason for that is is really that your consciousness does have to be in a certain place. In other words, if you gradually just get the desire that you want to just, may, it might first manifest as 
as breathing in more prana, you know, like focusing on the breath and doing more breath work. And then it might naturally evolve to uh, colors and then possibly to just looking at the sun. But my observation is that it has to be something that occurs very naturally in your consciousness where you feel guided to evolve in that way where you truly have no longer have an interest in food or water. And, and that's very different than somebody who's just trying to go cold turkey and start to live off sunlight. So I need to make that clear in my own opinion that um, the consciousness really has to, you know, either get itself up to that point. I mean, even if you look at this young boy who's 15 who disappeared, um, I certainly think it's possible that he could have flames coming out of him. I mean, certainly people spontaneously combust. We have heard of people who disappear into light. I mean, these are not new stories. So to me, it's entirely possible that he he could have just left. And um, I think when you look at this documentary and you see how they were making a business out of his meditation and then there was started to be quibbling on who was going to be in control of him and uh, all this other nonsense. You know, if I was a young boy and I was interested in communing with God, you know, and saw how people were behaving, I might just disappear too. I mean, that was my... Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's a good point. Now, speaking of getting warm, <laughs> I'm still sitting here cold, but the thoughts of radiation actually have me feeling anger inside. The, the thought that, you know, there could be experimentation have been done by way of generating power but the potential for destruction is huge. And here we had an accident in Fukushima uh, some years ago, and we have constantly been told that the danger has lessened. There's no uh, radiation levels worth talking about. Indeed, the various organizations responsible for measuring and reporting it have said that, oh, they've raised the thresholds for the danger level, and therefore it's of no consequence to us. Stop worrying about it. But we also have on the other side reports from scientists and various professionals that are saying this is nonsense the there is no tolerance in the human body for radiation at all and here we have fish being contaminated on a large scale we have um, radiation levels in the grasses and in the wheat fields and corn fields of the the great western plains in the midwest and then we have higher than than normal and normal even is in inverted commas higher than normal levels of radiation along the western coast, California and Washington, and I'm sure along Mexico and even down the coast of South America, I'm sure too, but especially in Hawaii, which is between, of course, Japan and the United States. So we, we need to look at this very seriously because no matter what we do in terms of raising our consciousness and sun gazing and you know living off light and prana and so on and you know practicing yoga and eating as organic foods if that's contaminated with radiation or if there's radiation in our bodies or if we're breathing in contaminated air what, what chance have we got Angel Rose really it needs to be addressed well first of all I do think that you know, being in a certain state of consciousness provides its own immunity because certainly 
I used to read about yogis that, you know, you could give them suitcases full of drugs and they'd take them and they wouldn't be affected at all. Okay, so there is something about going within, let's say, or, you know, I'm really going to call it reversing back to the way we were originally because I do think this whole process that we've gotten into of consuming everything is a reversal of our true self. And uh, so I just need to stick that opinion out there. And until, you know, we all make the decision to turn ourselves back around and go in inside, you know, I think once you go inside, a lot of the things that are going on in the outer world don't affect you the same way. So I do have to say that now for the normal population, and I'm including ourselves in, in that, um, we were listening to a report this past week about the radiation effects from Fukushima by somebody who is a scientist and an atmospheric, um, you know, I don't know, he's got his degree in atmospheric pressures and all sorts of things. And he has been analyzing the radiation from Fukushima and looking at its effects. And this is somebody who lived in the United States and he since has moved to Paraguay precisely because of the radiation. And it was a bit shocking to us because he did say that Alaska has been um, infiltrated with the radiation. So has Hawaii. So has Washington State, Oregon, and up into California. And indeed, um, in the Midwest and most of the United States, except for little areas in Florida, uh, which he also said that within five years, uh, this radiation will have traveled up to Florida. And then, of course, in Florida, you still have the effects from the, the Gulf oil spills. And he was he was saying that, um, especially the, the tuna fish, uh, is completely, um, what do you want to call it, affected, contaminated with radiation. And the seafood in the water and in it's in the groundwater so, of course, now we live in California, Ohio, and, and, you know, the thing about radiation is you can't see it, so you really don't know how much of it you're actually breathing in. But it was enough to make this scientist leave the country because he said that South America was really the only place on, in the world right now that wasn't uh, being affected by this radiation. Well, the reason for that, he explained, uh, from the point of view of him being an atmospheric scientist, he was able to show and prove that the way the trade winds flow and the way the atmosphere works in terms of bringing the radiation from Japan across the Pacific was that it stayed mostly in the Northern Hemisphere. And, and doesn't affect too much the southern hemisphere. But of course he did say that that also will only be for a certain period of time. I, he mentioned some figure in terms of years. I think it might have been 10 or 12 years or something when it will eventually cross that equatorial line and get into contaminating the southern hemisphere. But for now he said that, you know, most of South America is very, very safe place to be. Well, it's interesting, too, because, of course, the effects of radiation poisoning last for years and years and years and affect generations of uh, babies. In fact, he did mention that the rate of stillborn children has really accelerated since uh, Fukushima. Hmm. 
So he was saying that the problem is is they do not have that under control over there. It's still leaking radiation, even though they, they claim they have it under control. So you are right in that it's a problem because it certainly has made us ask the question of, you know, do we move or do we stay? And, you know, it is a huge question, and it's, it's a question because when we think about the quality of our life, um, you know, I've always been of the opinion that we shouldn't even have these nuclear power plants at all because <clears throat> look at us now, we're in earth changes, which is exactly what happened in Fukushima. <clears throat> and these earth changes are occurring all over the place. And there's so many nuclear plants everywhere, and they still want to build more. And uh, so we're just, you know, addressing the concern about the radiation. You know, do you do you run away from your country because of it, or do you stick it out and uh, focus on building a stronger immune system? Because certainly as much as this is a problem, there have been homeopathic remedies created um, for the particular elements that are in radiation. There's uh, a list of supplements. I think certain types of the ginseng help. Um, my daughter actually gave me a list. Vitamin C, and it's funny how we've been told by source in the records over the past two years to increase our intake of vitamin C. Mm-hmm. And certainly we put that in our green drink every day, and there were other few suggestions. But the point is it does seem that there are things that can offset some of these effects. It's interesting, too, when you mentioned the Akashic Records, that we actually have got advice from source based on the questions that people have asked us over the years, particularly when the questions about where is the safest place on the planet to be? Where should we move to? You know, am I safe in in New York, in Hong Kong, in Washington, in London? Where where, where am I safe? And the answer kept coming back from the Akashic Records that wherever you are, if you're in your heart and with your family, that's the safest place to be. I found that a really interesting answer. But I suppose on a level you are actually speaking about consciousness too because if you are in your heart space, that level of consciousness has its own immunity. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm talking about people who really do devote a lot of time to meditation mm-hmm. yes, and yes. to doing doing a lot of inner work and uh, you know, really working on that inner self. I'm not talking about mm-hmm. the normal person who's just deciding to be kinder every day to people. Yes, I understand. Okay, there's a difference here. <clears throat> and you know, to get yourself to the point where you're not affected by things in the outer world uh is really uh, you know, it's a spiritual exercise and it's also a mind exercise. So, you know, we do want to just let people know that this report does show the levels of radiation that have actually infiltrated um a lot of these states in in California, especially because, geez, you know, you and I love to go out and eat the fish, mm. and now all of a sudden I'm, you know, when I when I go out to eat, I'm I'm not doing that. You know, I'm looking and saying, geez, I would have loved that wonderful piece of, uh, you know, halibut or something, and even if it's coming from Alaska, especially now. But the same is true of other foods, too. I mean, we're always wary when we're purchasing corn, for example. And we had an interesting incident the other day at a farmer's market where we asked a guy, 
is is your corn genetically modified? And the guy looked at us as if he, we had 10 heads. He, he actually didn't know what genetically modified was. But the truth was that many of these farmers actually don't know what they're planting. They're, they're buying their seeds and they don't know if they're genetically modified or not. Such is the level of malaise, let's call it, or mediocrity that we're facing. Others, of course, do know and they're locked into this uh, buying system from these pharmaceutical companies where they have no choice but to continue purchasing the seeds under license. Agricultural, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing too is I noticed that his corn didn't have a smell. I picked up an ear and I smelled it. It didn't have any smell, and so I put it back down because mm -hmm. I thought, chances are he's got genetically modified seeds because I do know that even if... And then another time I knew is I bought corn up by my mom up in Plattsburgh, uh last time we were there, about a year and a half ago. And I brought it home, and it was so sugary that I knew it was genetically modified. It, it was unnaturally sweet. And last week when we had Penny on, I think it was last week, uh, or a couple of weeks ago, she was talking also about uh, purchasing this huge melon right that had some label on it that said super sweet or whatever mm. and she got it home and she cut it open and she said that not only was the flesh pale from the melon that it, it was it was so sugary that she knew it wasn't uh, a natural plant and i think these are some of the ways you could tell but certainly um people really do in my opinion they need to uh, get some homeopathic remedies that are for radiation and stock it up. We know a girl that takes one little pillule a, a week, I think. I think she she has one and um, she gives herself a dose a week just for precaution. And we have one too. We should probably get it out and consider using it. Yeah, I think, I think we should put out the message that if people want to contact us about those radiation remedies, do contact us at angelrose at angelrose.com and let me spell it it's a-i-n-g-e-a-l-r-o-s-e dot -E com uh, because we can put you in touch with a homeopath who actually makes those radiation remedies and that might be a very useful thing for people to get a stock of not expensive at all but really really worth having all right so onward enough about that Ahana, yeah. even though it's a very serious topic. well one last thing though about when you mentioned about radiation the very possibility of the half-life being into the millions of years into the future is, is a frightening thought, isn't it? it is. Now, speaking of the future, we're going to take a very, very short little studio break right now. And when we come back, we are going to be talking about the future, predicting the future and all of that. And that's going to be really, really exciting. But before that, let me just remind our listeners, you're listening to Angel Rose and myself, Ahanu, on the Honest to God series. And we are coming back right after this break if I can get hold of my my systems here to set the whole thing in motion for you. Here we go. We'll be right back after this. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. back and Hannah maybe perhaps we could even uh, see if we can get that scientist on our show one day wouldn't that be an interesting show okay mm -hmm. 
sorry, before you can continue, Angel Rose, can I just mention, I, I forgot to mention it there about sponsors, and uh, we'd be delighted to have you sponsor one of our shows or indeed the series. So do contact us about that. We're also actively looking for people to participate and to come on and be interviewed. If you've got a spiritual message or a spiritual website or a product that will help other people in some way and you want to talk about it or a book that you've written, do contact us and we'll slot you in here. We are filling up our whole series right through the summer. So it is important to get in touch with us as soon as you can. But this week we're sponsored by Diamond Sun Hosting, as usual, consciously hosting your spiritual websites since 1993. Contact Diamond Sun Hosting at diamondsunhosting.com. So there you are. Carry on, Angel Rose. Yes, and don't forget to mention, too, that if anybody uh, wants to advertise their particular skill on our show, we do have an advertising program. Also, that uh, might benefit them. Mm-hmm. Okay, now where we wanted to move from there on is um, this past week has just been full of information, mm-hmm. hasn't it? Yeah. I mean, we had Prasanna Duran on last week. That's who it was speaking about Bigfoot and its Bigfoot's connection to our human origins. And uh, I went ahead and I got her book just because um, I'm fascinated with the work she's done in terms of piecing together the different time periods of history. And that's another little topic for discussion. But at the same time, good old Facebook. Somebody put something on Facebook about uh, a book written by Aaron Prophet. Now, this was published in 2009, so it's been out there for a little bit. But Aaron Prophet was the daughter of Elizabeth Claire Prophet, who... Um, you know, channeled the Ascended Masters and was built this church universal and triumphant. Now, my history with that is years and years and years ago, uh, when I meditated quite frequently, <clears throat> I woke up one morning and I saw this face next to me looking at me, and I just remember the eyes on this being was, were just incredible. I didn't know who it was. Uh, make a long story short, I found myself in a bookstore a metaphysical shop the following week and I was perusing uh, the different sections and I pull out this book and lo and behold on the back of the book is a picture of this Ascended Master El Moria and I looked at it and I knew that's who I saw <clears throat> so of course I started looking up books on El Moria I'm losing my voice <laughs> just as you're talking about this this is I'm talking about anyway um so it led me to one of Elizabeth Clare Prophet's book called uh, The Chila and the Path, and it was uh, a channeling from El Moria. So I was familiar with her and her church, and I, I dabbled in some of her books, and I did not stay in her books because I felt that the messages were a little bit too similar to the Catholic upbringing I had, the whole idea of retribution and... Um, punishment and karma, I, I just didn't sit right with me. And the authority problem, which we want to talk about too the today, if we can problem. squeeze that in. Yeah. I will. Okay, but the reason why we went and got this book was because um, Elizabeth Clare Prophet got this information from the Ascended Masters that there was going to be a nuclear war, um, and she actually got a date. Okay, I think it was 1990. So she went, set out, and she she and her congregation built these fantastic underground shelters. 
in Montana. And it was, it was called the Royal Teton Ranch, I do remember. And so they spent years and years, you know, uh, gathering supplies. In fact, they had food enough for uh, seven years to feed 750 people, just to yeah, give you an idea. a huge enterprise, wasn't it? All sorts of arms and rifles and all sorts of things, anticipating uh, mayhem, you know what I mean? So what happened was, uh, on the particular date, the congregation all filters down into these bunkers, and um, lo and behold, nothing happened. Okay, no nuclear war began. Mm-hmm. So, of course, uh, many of the people left the church after that. Uh, Elizabeth Clare Prophet was uh, no longer seen as as the, you know, infallible um, prophesier. Do you know what I mean? So everything kind of went downhill. But it does, it, it's fascinating me because it brings up the whole question of prophecies in general. Um, because surely when we're in the records, Source is so careful not to not to show me any type of predictions for the future, even though we have people mm. always asking. Yes. We'll get little snippets, but in terms of events and dates, um, even that even that session we had a few months ago where Source told us an event was coming, it was very clear not to say what that event was or when, when it was actually going to arrive or anything like that. I always wondered about that, why I didn't receive that. Well, now I know, because Source does not do that. It does not set us up in consciousness to focus on a particular date or an event coming because it knows we can manifest situations like that with our with our minds. Yes. So let's talk about that. We have the ability to be able to manifest anything. So what we're discovering is that if somebody makes a prediction it may well be a tool of the negative agenda to use us to make that outcome a reality. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think it's really important because, of course, people even have dreams, doomsday dreams, where they see something coming. And that's another type of implanting, you know, that Source told us about. But, you know, besides that, the thing about this book, it's actually called Prophet's Daughter for anybody who's interested by Erin Prophet, it's her account of living with her mother, somebody who was both a mother and a um, a guru, you know, to many, many, many people. And so it brings up the whole topic of people following mm-hmm. a leader, yes. okay, and relying on that leader to bring in information to tell them what to do with their lives or how to guide their lives. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I... There's such a danger in in that, and you know, in this book, I haven't gotten into it too far, but it does suggest that the followers are part of the creation of that guru guru student uh, relationship. In other words, they feed it as much as the guru feeds it. Okay, so we were founding ourselves. You know, I'm I'm really really interested in this because, like you say of the authority problem that's rampant in the world. And it goes back to anything uh, that we're taught when we're young by our teachers, by our parents, uh, by our religions. And then, you know, you switch over to uh, more spiritual end, and then there's gurus that people adore and follow and rely on. And um, all the way up the chain, you know, or it's angels, or it's archangels, or it's, you know, something like this. And 
you know, the thing is, is that from what we really realized from being in the records and talking to Source directly, aside from your own guardian angel, which is appointed to you at birth, you know, um, in, in the in the purpose always seems to be for an individual's self-mastery, okay? An individual's journey to God-realization is what it's really all about. And at some point in that journey, you know, your beliefs in the things that you depend on or, or rely on, or I'll even go back to this conversation we had in the beginning about this 15-year-old, you know, in this documentary, uh, because you had one person who was a nutritionist on one side, and then you had Indian, um, Eastern Indian scientist on the other, and the nutritionist is, you know, she's was, she basically says, this boy can't be doing this for real because it goes against everything that I've been taught. That's right, yeah. Okay. And that was that was very evident, actually, in that documentary, was that whole Western mind that science is God, science knows everything, and if it goes against what we already know or have been taught, then it cannot be. And this is what the way the education system works. I remember it very clearly myself. It's the way the religious systems work. Here's the way it is. And anything outside of that, you, you get thrown into hell, fire. And that, that can mean also being ostracized in society or being ostracized by the church or your friends or whatever. Well, yes, it's true. And, you know, this particular woman, I found her very annoying, I have to say, just because she was so conditioned. You know, by yeah. what she'd be, been learned. But you see, I even understand the ego implications. You know, that here she must have spent how many years of college learning how to be a nutrition, studying the body, uh, knowing all the signs and symptoms of starvation and what happens if you don't eat after this so much amount of time and if you don't drink water. Yeah, and it's interesting how closed she was to any possibility. In other words, she was saying that, now don't quote me on the numbers, I've forgotten the numbers, but let's let's say, like after... After four days without water or food, the kidneys start to close down. And after another so many days, the liver stops functioning and then you don't urinate anymore and so on. And to, to, to her, because the boy had been meditating for, I don't know, ten months, ten months, ten months. to her it was just so such an impossibility. Her mind couldn't open to anything else other than what she'd been taught. And it was, she was sure he was sneaking food somewhere. Yeah, oh, she was certain. And, you know, yeah, that he yeah. must be drinking without people knowing and all this yeah. and that. And, you know, but this is just an example of of the conditioning of our, of our mind and how we create our own identities based on stuff we've been taught. And when somebody comes along and says, well, you know, what you've been taught about that is no longer true or there are exceptions, they can't handle it because their identity has been based. And the same is true with people who get into religions or follow others. So you do have to be like really, really discriminatory um, about teaching and about absolutes and all of that. Because, you know, like I say, I'm fascinated with this book, Prophet's Daughter. I just got it yesterday and only read the first chapter. I think we post a link to that on but, our website afterwards. Yeah, but it's it's an important book, I think, because it's written by her daughter who lived with her and went through the whole thing with her and has the inside trek. Uh, so it does examine this whole process of guru and, and uh, followers and the whole uh, cult start 
yeah. things that starts to happen inside these organizations. And I think it's it's probably a must read for just about everybody because it does show you um you know what can happen in these situations and how they can get off balance. Well what it does come back to that ultimately is how we have been taught to hand away our power. Now you know me, I've spoken on this in, on many occasions and I'm very big into the whole sovereignty principle. And but we've been taught in schools and in our religions and our upbringing from parents all quarters coming at us basically taking our power away uh, to the point where we no longer know that we actually have any power at all. And this is all part of the whole genetically modified issue. It's part of the political system. It's part of our religious upbringing. It's part of this radiation that we're talking about. It's part of it all, this authority problem. We actually can say no. We actually can say no. We can take our power back and say no to this stuff. And there's been things we've been reading about in the in the past few weeks where various town councils have voted this, that and the other. Oh yeah, there was one recently where some some local city council voted that uh, it, it was from here on in illegal to actually grow your own food in your own garden in, in some city, in some state. I've forgotten where exactly where it is now. To do it. Was it a permit? Yeah. Now, you to apply for a permit to grow And then they were charging thousands of dollars. That's what it was. They were charging, yeah, if you applied, they were going to charge you thousands and thousands of dollars in order to do it. Now, well, should to be another way for them to make money, though, Hanno, because No, but there's more to it than that. There's there absolutely know, a lot more to it. it. Yeah, but really what's underneath it is they voted for this in a, in a room in a town council meeting where all the people in attendance actually said, Yes, sir. How high, sir? You know, they actually should have said, no, sir. This is just absolutely outrageous. Try and put that in and we're going to vote you out of office tomorrow. You know, no, no, no to this nonsense. And it's time there that people... There are more people standing there up are. saying no. There are. In fairness, but, now, there's lots of people At the same time, though, you see, no. you'll notice that there's a huge uh, resistance to anybody uprising in any way. And now police forces around this country and all countries, they're becoming armed to the teeth. They've got all these um, plastic shields and, and riot gear and all sorts of stuff ju just to resist and put down any kind of protest about anything. And that's a measure, too, of what's going on in the world. People are starting to realize that they're being put down by authority figures and by them actually standing up and saying no the other side is saying, well, we're going to put you down. We'll destroy you. And we can see it ha actually um, manifesting in cities all over the world. And it's an example of the conflicts but that are there. We do have to give Egypt credit, though, don't we, for, well, for overthrowing the government twice. A wonderful example, twice. yeah. I mean, those people rose up and then the military turned and, and uh, supported the people, which is what needs to happen here, really. That's right. Okay. Yeah. You know, there's there's a point where the, the law enforcement people and the military, you know, do need to turn around and say, look, what we're being asked to do is inhumane. Yeah. It's inhumane and unjust. It's a horrible abuse of power. And we need those agencies, those people, those men who serve and women who serve to, you know, become right-minded again and, and stand up and say, we're not doing this. 
where we are not going to abuse our brothers and sisters, especially uh, people, you know, peaceful demonstrations. But on the other hand, Ahano, we can't sit down and allow this to happen because we're afraid, you know, of, of a little bit of tear gas in the streets. You know what I mean? We, we just can't sit down and, and be compliant with this because source has already warned us about mediocrity and about uh, being complacent and we've been actually told this is not the time to be complacent now it doesn't mean that everybody should start you know becoming violent and all that we're not talking about that but we are talking about the majority needing to say no that's to right. these laws that are being passed that are unjust and it does you do bring up a good point in terms of we're all brought up to be obedient and there is some something within us that we says that we just better be obedient because that's the law. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, is, is a law is just what somebody decides is true. It isn't something that the majority necessarily votes on. That's right. So, you know, this whole idea we have that somebody passed a law, so we have to obey, is is a whole conditioned belief. System. It is, yeah, yeah, and we're very well conditioned. It's really been a hugely successful thing. But let's be clear, you know, we're not advocating civil unrest or anything. We're absolutely not at all. And in fact, let's bring it full circle. When we started the discussion talking about the possibilities of the mind, and then we moved on to talk about, um, especially when you were talking about predicting the future with Elizabeth Clare Prophet and that, and how we actually can manifest the future, I think it's necessary to say that not all people are the physical activist kind of people. Some people need to go out and wave flags and banners and posters. Well, and that's some people's mission. That's exactly the point I'm making. Others, though, will do it by way of internally clearing stuff inside themselves where they're no longer a vessel or they're no longer a good little soldier and a, no longer a good little boy or girl, that kind of uh, disciplining. And they're becoming more sovereign inside themselves. They're becoming more self-referral. And you also mentioned about the guru uh, phenomena where they look to others outside themselves for guidance. They start to actually look inside for their guidance and they know that they're only one connection and that is themselves and God and that's where they're getting their guidance from. And all that is, is wonderful. So it just needs to be clear though that when we talk about predicting the future, we don't want to manifest a negative outcome. And we can do that so easily by focusing on it or by going into fear about it. So therefore, we certainly do advocate turn off TVs, turn off all this negative stuff. Don't, be, don't listen to nonsense and to coercion and to domination and abuse and all of that kind of thing that manifest. And especially, we, we actually did a program, didn't we, about... Oh no, it was a question in the Akashic Records about the blockbuster movies that are all out recently. And they're all focused on huge negativity, like vampires and zombies, zombies and various things like that. Witches, uh, witchcraft yeah, spells. Manifest, but that's the negative aspect of the creative uh, potential of the mind. And we can very, very easily, in fact, you can see it around. Well, you know, the thing about it is you and I were trying to go to a movie uh, last week. And uh, I was actually looking to see if Black Blackfish was playing anywhere, which is a documentary on the orca whales, and it wasn't playing yet anywhere here. But there was nothing uh, except for a couple little cartoons. Do you know there was nothing positive in the movie theater of a list of, what, 20 different movies? 
every single one was nothing but violence, you know, uh, end of the world, fighting for, I mean, same old, same old, same old, you know, mm. invasions and mm. and um, being under threat and all this. And the thing about it is, you know, we really need to remember that we create by images. Yes, Okay, and we go to these movies and we think that they're fun and, you know, these things that they're uh, doing for children now, monsters and zombies and all sorts, and these are images that go into the mind and, you know, it's deliberate. It's a deliberate orchestration on a different level of programming. So I really didn't mean to get off on this tangent because we started out wonderfully with talking about these yogis who... um, you know, basically have gone within and reversed a lot of the effects of the outer world and really the illusion, let's say. They've reversed the effects of the illusion. And certainly you and I have been going within a whole lot more lately, and we make that our morning practice. And uh, now we've brought in the yoga and we've brought in the juicing and... um, there was one other thing we were doing that I was going to mention to people. Now I can't remember. But it's a process. You know, it really is a process of going within because, you know, we're so used to looking outside the world to validate ourselves, to measure ourselves. And really, when you realize, uh, and we're going to do a show on this too, Ahano. Uh, it keeps coming back to me over and over again. Uh, but what I saw yesterday in my Egyptian alchemical meditations was that each chakra has a, a twin chakra. And uh, I was about, I was surprised to see that, okay? Because I've not ever seen that there was another set of chakras that were twin pairs to our regular chakras. But also each one of those chakras lead to other levels of dimensions and realities and spiritual awakenings and we haven't even explored that we we don't get out of the lower three chakras most often you know we we may activate our our psychic center in the third eye but in terms of actually knowing our inner anatomy and the magical world that is contained within our own body which has unlimited uh powers and potentials i think we this is part of what's going on with this world is that we need to make this shift mm-hmm. from outer yes. to inner. Okay. All right, let's take that opportunity then to do a quick summary of what we covered today. We spoke about physical immortality, living off light and prana, and then Gilro spoke a little about the nectar in the brain and sun gazing. Then we moved on to speak about radiation from Fukushima and how it's affecting the seafood and we talked a little bit about genetically modified foods we mentioned about the homeopathic radiation remedies and that you can actually contact us and we'll we'll put you in touch then we moved on to speak about predictions and we talked about Elizabeth Clare Prophet and her negative predictions about nuclear war and so on that never happened but how we manifest them And then that led us on to speaking about how we are taught in our schools and that further led us on to speak about the authority problem and how it's so important more and more now to say no to negative influences and how so easily we can actually manifest negative outcomes and it's time for us to stop doing that. So all in all, I think that was an absolutely wonderful 
discussion today on these subjects, albeit brief, and each one you could actually have a full show on each one. But it's just to stimulate people. And as I said earlier in the show today, this is an invitation also. If you have something to share with the world that will benefit people, please do contact us at angelrose.com and come on the show and let's engage with making these positive changes. Let me just say too, how next week we will be having Penny back. Um, Penny Kelly, she's going to be continuing her conversation that we started with her a few weeks ago on health. And we also do have some really interesting guests coming up all the way up through the fall. So do write us because uh, we are looking for the valuable insights people do have out there. Thank you for joining us today. And don't forget about our uh, group Akashic Records session tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. Pacific time. So if you're interested in joining in on that call, just uh, express your interest on worldofempowerment.com. I think is the link there, Ahanu, for that. It is, yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. All right. That leaves me then to mention about the eight steps to freedom. Do get a hold of that program. It's absolutely wonderful. It's by us, 8stepstofreedom.com, number 8, and it's all hyphenated, 8stepstofreedom.com. Angel Rose's book also is a wonderful resource at timeofchange.info. You can get hold of it there. Her new book, you can also pre-order it at thenatureofreality.info. That's all one word also, the nature of reality. And Angel Rose mentioned about our group Akashic Records every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific time. She didn't mention, of course, that it is free. So do go to worldofempowerment.com to get details about that. And finally, due to popular demand, Angel Rose will be teaching people how to read the Akashic Records in an exclusive once-off training that will take place in September. If you're or interested... Sometime in the fall, huh? <laughs> sometime in the fall. <laughs> Don't hold me to a date. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I said sometime in September, but hopefully that... Or October. Will, <laughs> or October, yeah. But it, it, it has to happen. People are looking for it, and it's necessary. So, until then, until next Saturday, and 8 a.m. Pacific time, we send you our love, blessings, and thanks for listening to myself, Ahanu, and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. And as we say, in Ireland... This is Radio to Inspire Enlightened Living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu.